Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm Luke Velasco. You've got Kyle Taylor as well on the line. It's a fantastic episode for you today. We've got all kinds of acquisitions happening, a lot's going on in the freight market. We're going to talk all about benchmarking and what's going on inside of your own network. Don't forget, we are right in the middle of the Olympics, and of course, we've got a lot of TikToks happening at the end, so stay tuned for those. Uh, Kyle, how are you doing today? Oh, we're doing great. Just like you said, we're in the middle of the Olympics. We are, I believe, number three. We dropped down to number three on the gold medal count, which is a little depressing, but... Um, it's a little, a little. Has it been updated? <laughs> a little misleading. So, uh, yeah. so, so here's how. Here, here's how. The, listen, I'm the Olympics guy. I'll take care of this. Okay. Yeah, so, I'll take it. I'll take a seat in the back here. Yeah, for a yeah. Second. Here. No, I appreciate you bringing this up. So, it depends on how you track the medal count. Okay. So the medal count right now uh, traditionally is tracked by who has the most gold medals. Right. So in that case, Japan has 13, China has 12, and the United States is in third with 11. However, there's also silver and bronze gold medals as well. So if you look at the total medal count between gold, silver, and bronze, the United States would be in first with 31 medals. China would be in mm -hmm. second with 27 medals. And Russia, or the Russian Olympic Committee right now, which we can get into later, it would be in third with 23 medals. And then Japan would be in fourth with 22 medals. So Japan technically has the most gold medals. Uh, the United States is just two gold medals behind, but we have the most overall medals. Uh, for the games. Right. Most so. well balanced. A lot of people have either a lot of silvers, a lot of gold, a lot of bronze. We are just like across the board. Like That's eight, right. Nine, so the United nine. States has 11 golds, 11. 11 silvers, and nine bronze. Can't so, beat that. Yeah, it's great. Japan has 13 golds, so two more golds than us. They have the most golds. Then they drop down to four silvers and five bronze. So, you know, big drop. We've kind of maintained our pace uh, across all the medals, uh, a high number there. Um, which is exciting. Um, I think so, Luke, we might pick up another the... gold medal tonight, though. Um, okay. Well, our I was tonight, say, what's their your, morning. What are you looking forward to next? What's so for me, you know, I'm a big swimmer. Swimming kind of has a special place in my heart. I'm not biased at all. I am. But, um, I yeah, yeah, we know. Uh, but no, like, so I, I'm a big fan of the swimming stuff. I'm also a big fan of the track stuff, which is going to be starting up soon. But for swimming, uh, uh, tonight, one of the finals is in the men's 100 freestyle. Um, and Caleb Dressel is, he's a, a slight favorite to win that. He's from the United States. I'm just a big fan of him. He was in the last Olympics. He got two gold medals in the last Olympics, swam on Phelps's relay. Um, but he's just, he's just a stud. He's such a good competitor. He's just fun to watch. He gets real excited. He gets real amped. Um, I'm really excited to watch that race as well as a few others. Um, yeah, I'm just glad that Michael Phelps has finally come out of his cave and they finally got him. Uh, giving some of his insights and some That's of his right. breakdowns prior to a lot of these uh, gold medal races. Yeah, I liked how they had him talk about, uh, so I don't know if you've been following the women's gymnastics, Simone Biles, she pulled out, um, mm -hmm. uh, certainly out of the team events, and we're, I guess we're going to play it by ear for the rest of the stuff, but I, I have a feeling she's going to pull out completely. Um, you know, I, I believe she cited some mental health reasons and, you know, a lot of people are giving their opinions on this and that. I, I really think even though Michael Phelps is not a gymnast, he probably understands her better than anybody because he's been at that level. Right. And, and something that he talked about is, is there's such a pressure. Nobody has been at the Olympic level at that stage more than Michael Phelps. There have been other folks that have had more Olympics appearances than Michael Phelps, only a few, but none who have been at that level at the Olympics and had the expectations uh, more than him. So I, I think he's probably one of the best people to sp speak to what 
Simone is feeling. And, um, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and he gave a nice little, a nice little speech on, on that too. You know, he gave her a lot of encouragement, but I think also, you know, he's just like, you know, she'll probably be able to perform better if folks kind of take a backseat and try to understand what she's feeling right now. Um, so it was nice to hear. But anyways, um, that's not what we're here to talk about today, although we could talk about that for a lot. Uh, big is, it, is, it, yeah, is it with the Olympics or is it with Sonar today? <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes they sometimes they intersect a little bit. We get a little cross collaboration. Yeah, people there. at the Olympics need freight moved. We don't want to neglect them. You're right. right. No, you're no, you're spot on. So, you know, some of the expectations with the Olympics, you know, what let's segue that into some of the expectations for today. We got a lot of, you know, a lot of big activity happening in the market yeah. um, this week not only just from acquisitions, but from continued demand to even a little bit of a, a feel-good story. What do, what do you got from us, Luke, coming out of uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, that was reported this morning? Yeah, speaking of acquisitions, so a nice story that that, that was released today on FreightWaves.com was actually about Craig Fuller, the CEO and founder of FreightWaves. So he's acquiring um, the world's most read aviation publication, Flying. Uh, that's the title. That's the name of the publication. It's flying, um, and they're you know just like it says, right? They cover all types of aviation things. A lot of pilots uh, subscribe to it, and um, and Craig's actually an avid flyer. He has his pilot's license. He has his own plane, um, and he's 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 really really in uh, to aviation. Just kind of the the whole piece. But I believe he has an Icon A5. I'm not as familiar on that side of things, but I believe that's what he flies, and. Yeah, he just bought flying. He's real excited about it. And um, I think he, he wants to continue to grow that. It's technically not part of the Freightways brand. He bought it kind of for his own personal umbrella. Um, but, and, you know, there, I'm sure there will be some overlap. The Freightways is adding a brand, though, Modern, Modern Flyer, similar to how we added a while back Modern Shipper, another publication that focuses, you know, specifically on shippers and, and what, you know, they need to focus on from, from like a modernizing their technology and operations supply chain. Um, so we, we are adding modern flyer as well to kind of focus on the, the shipping side of things, but from an aviation perspective. So um, that's our publication on that side, but flying is, is one that he acquired. So it, it's nice and it's exciting. He talks about in the article and how he's super excited. In, in his mind, it's kind of like somebody being able to buy their favorite sports team Right. You know, somebody be able, you know, if you want to be able to buy, you know, like the Yankees or you want to be able to buy the Lakers or something. Right. Because those are your favorite teams uh, from since you were a little kid, you know, in his he describes it as that feeling. But flying for him is something that he's enjoyed. He does it with his kids, his family. Um, and this he's been subscribed to this publication for, he says, many years. So it was he had that feeling when he was able to buy it. So I, that's kind of fun. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, that's what we all would like to strive to be able to do at some point is be able to, you know, have that kind of goal of acquiring something or being a part of something that's much greater than yourself. And so kudos to to being able to be or to kudos to to Craig Fuller and really us to be able to be around people like him, like him and George Abernathy, who, you know, show an example of how we can strive to be you know, better than we are today. And, and so speaking of trying to be better than we are today, you know, another acquisition that went through that really kind of shook the ground of the transportation industry was Uber Freight acquiring Transplace for a measly $2.25 billion. But uh, no, what, a, what, a, what a, yeah, just a, just a, 
a drop in the bucket, you know? So, uh, no, that's a massive acquisition, especially for Uber Freight that has recently, I would say recently over the past, let's say three or four years when um, these digital brokerages, marketplaces, whatever you'd like to call them, have kind of gotten bad raps initially just for trying to acquire volume, really um, lowering the, the cost that they are almost taking losses because they are so venture backed and they have so much capital supporting them that they're able to make a lot of these you know, negative decisions, I guess you can say, you know, take negatives on a lot of these loads to where they are now, where, you know, we've, George Abernathy being a trans, the, the uh, ex-president of Transplace and being around that entire environment really gives Uber a, a leg to stand on in that managed transportation style of business. Whereas now Transplace not being the transactional style of business gets that carrier support. And, and it's really unique to kind of see that combination of those companies come together. And I, I feel like we're going to start seeing that more and more as, as uh, you know, usually that happens more at the, I would say, mid-tier brokerages and styles of companies, let's say like less than 100 million in revenue style of companies. So it's really interesting to see it in, in these companies because I believe in, the, in uh, one of the articles that, we've writ- that we wrote at FreightWaves by, uh, by uh, John Kingston is believe they've reported uh, they being transplaced reported uh, an EBITDA of greater than a hundred million dollars in the first quarter. So, I mean, that is just insane growth compared to where they were in 2017, which was right at about 97 million for the entire year of 2017. So a lot going on there, a lot to kind of take in, but you know, Luke, you coming from a little bit of the freight brokerage background, you know, how do you kind of see this playing out? It's really interesting, Kyle, because you know you've got so so think think of Uber Freight, right? They've come onto the scene. They've got their say what you want about Uber, they're good at technology, they're good at automation. Okay, um, they're really good at that. They pour a lot of resources into it. They pour a lot of capital onto it. So you would expect them to be good at it, and they are, right? What they might have on the technology side, they maybe lack on the customer side, right? So they don't have those long-term relationships that Transplace has. They don't have those strong embedded relationships in kind of that managed trans side of things, a completely different ballpark. Uber Freight is a lot more transactional than that. Um, and they're, they've, they've, they're, they're in a much more lower margin part of the space. So I think giving them the ability to get in with Transplace allows them to kind of tap into that managed trans side of things, which is a little bit higher margin. And I think Uber Freight hopes that they can bring their technology to help automate some of that and, and, and obviously use a lot of the expertise that Transplace has. What's interesting about this deal, though, is I think a few years ago, nobody would have thought that Transplace would have been the one to be purchased by an Uber Freight. And now Uber Freight's the one that's come in and is able to buy them for $2.25 yeah, no, Think about that. Think that's about it. That. No, 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 that's extremely, that's a huge shot to even think about, to even fathom. And I believe they were even, uh, when they're acquired at 2.25, this was about a 22 and a half multiple on EBITDA. So it's, it's really interesting to see that high of a multiple on a logistics company that isn't just so technology focused. I mean, yes, they're big on optimization, big on you know doing a lot of consolidation um, because they are tra- managed transportation type of company. Um, so that is just going to be another one for the record books that we've seen um, this year already. And interestingly enough, 
Uber was quoted at, or I believe it was actually coming from Transplace, the CEO of Transplace saying that they got the request at the beginning of 2020. And so all throughout COVID, they were going through this kind of evaluation process when a lot of that private equity money has kind of went stagnant during that time frame. To give you an idea on the financials of Uber Freight right now, so they are, they've run to an annual run rate of $1.2 billion um, in the first quarter um, from $67 million in the entirety of 2017. That's some pretty impressive growth. Since 2017, 67 million to now they have an annual run rate of $1.2 billion on their freight side of things. Um, they're still in the red, okay, um, by quite a substantial bit. But, um, you know, I think they're hoping that maybe Transplace, they can, they can take some of their technology, leverage Transplace's relationships perhaps, and Transplace's technology. Transplace is not without technology. And, right. and, and hopefully kind of bridge the gap a little bit between their ability to grow and Transplace's ability to continue to build profits. Um, so we'll yeah. see what happens. Time will tell. Time will tell. I mean, it seems like a perfect synergy. And, and to that point where, you know, not everyone can just acquire companies for their technology or acquire styles of businesses. I think this really helps us go down this path of what we're going to talk about with Sonar. Yep. Pun fully intended is that, you know, you know, this kind of thought of like, how do we get into managed transportation? How do we look at bids? How do we understand total networks? If we are a Uber freight, maybe a very carrier focused style of company that, you know, we want to get into this bidding type of scenario. I want to understand some of the risks and be able to talk that talk to my shipper clients and be able to provide them with those kinds of insights. Um, if you followed freight waves recently, you know we make announcements almost every week. That's just because we are just full of rocket fuel and have the ability to to really adapt and create in this in this really stagnant industry. And so we've came out with a product called supply chain intelligence. And so supply chain intelligence is our benchmarking meets tender um, data that allows our customers to really dive into not only, how, how shippers are paying historically, but why? It's not just a, hey, here's what you're paying. That's great. It's like me looking at my neighbor and seeing that their energy bill is a little bit lower than us. I want to know what they're doing. Do they have solar power? Or like what, why, are, why, why is that happening? And so that's what we bring to not only shippers, but carriers and brokers is that insight from the shipper's perspective. What are they paying? And using that proprietary tender data to tell them, why that's potentially happening. And that's really the first ever of, of that happening. Route guide compliance meets uh, benchmarking uh, settled contracted rates. I think you're spot on there, Kyle. And it's really exciting. And we're going to take a look at it here in just a moment. Um, what's so nice is it, it gives such deep insights into your truckload network. If you're a shipper, right, it's not enough to simply have, you know, hey, like what's, what's the average contract rate? You want to know what your peers are doing. You want to know what their what type of service level they're experiencing at different prices, right? That's such valuable information. You want to know, hey, I have a massive network. I ship a thousand different lanes throughout the year. Just give me a quick analysis so I know where I have the opportunity to save money and where I have the opportunity to increase service level. It's both sides of the equation. It's not all about drive costs down, down, down. Part of it is where do I drive service level up? Because that will also kind of trickle down into cost savings. It may not be as direct as last week I paid $1.60 a mile, now I paid $1.50 a mile. 
but it does translate into I have less delays, I get more freight off the dock a lot faster, and so on and so forth. So it streamlines that part of the supply chain. Um, Kyle, you've actually yes. got a file here for me to take a look at, right? Oh yeah, I've, I've become somewhat of a uh, SCI savant here at FreightWaves lately. Um, no, Say that so again, an SCI savant. <laughs> That's a I am well known. I am the Richie Daigle of wines. I am the George Abernathy of interviewing and knowing the industry. You know, I am the aircraft handler of the Craig Fullers. Um, I, I hope one of those hit. <laughs> um, no, so you should have it up. So why don't we just go ahead and bring up okay. the screen? And, we're going to bring stuff. And, and folks, listen, like we're in the middle of the Olympics. So maybe we'll have an opportunity to talk some more Olympics. We're playing Olympic highlight here. Okay. Because they only come around once every four or five years now. Five years. Um, <laughs> you know, hey, hey, three years coming up. Only three years till the next Olympics. You know, hey, knock on wood or whatever that there's no global, you know, the earth blows up or something. But anyways, um, so here, Kyle, you know, you're the savant. Tell us, what are we looking at here? No, this is a, so yes, this does say SCI template dash Kyle. So this was, oh, this goodness. is an actual customer of ours. This is a large um, manufacturer of uh, Duro, some durable goods and don't want to give away too much about them, but we, we really took in their network and it, and this was really just looking at their dedicated network. So this doesn't even account for any projects or even some of their spot business as well. So what we took in was about $93 million worth of total spend, as we can see. And that's about well, 206 that unique lanes. Yeah, that's a, you know, is that my bank account right now? That, that kind of looks a little similar, but uh, <laughs> no, so we have, a, and then, so 206 lanes, 56 loads. And, All right, so hold so, on. Let, let's take a minute to pause here. So we got $93.5 million in total spend. I understand lanes, load count, all that stuff. Um, what's this? It says here, total risk at spend, $2.5 million. What's that telling me? That seems interesting. Yeah so, yeah, so what this does is it not only tells you where you're doing good or doing bad. That's great. Anyone can tell you that. People tell me my golf swing sucks all the time, but you know they don't tell me how to get better. And, and so I what this does... Yeah. Right. Uh, is is that combination of that settled rate data with the tender data allows us to create a workflow so that we can identify times where you are beating the market. Kudos to you. You're, you're winning. But it's really not in the shipper's favor. And you actually have a lot of risk in these markets. So that total spend at risk is actually a an amount that if volatility hits, these are going to be the first one to get struck because you are you are paying substantially lower than the market. And that that uh, load or not that load, that shipper score is, is not in your favor. Whereas on the overpaying side, you not only get to see whether or not you're beating or or getting beat by the market. These are all those times you're overpaying. But additionally, these are the opportunities. These aren't just saying, hey, you're getting beat. That's great. These are these are the times they're saying, "Hey, you're getting beat in areas you shouldn't be get you should not be getting beat in." So these are your low hanging fruit. These are how you quickly make some uh, you just quickly adapt to the market. And and these are the times maybe you're working with the wrong carrier. Maybe you need to you know create a denser route guide here. Maybe we need to start talking directly to brokers or vice versa. Maybe we need to start looking directly to assets that are a little bit more regional. And so that really gives us a lot of 
feedback and ability to have different paths to go down. And it's not just a rigid, hey, this is where you suck and this is where you're good at. And so that's why I think this is extremely impactful and really getting a lot of steam in the shipper industry. I mean, watch out. This is going to be really a, a, a need to have in almost every single supply chain uh, across the United States. I love that, Kyle. And we're actually going to take a, take a quick look at Olympic highlights in just a minute. Before we do, uh, let's, do a quick, let's do a quick summary here to make sure we understand what we're looking at. So we've got the total spend, which is great. But what that does, it takes my whole network because I've got 56,000 loads here. So what it's doing is it's telling me which load, where my spend's at risk. So I've got 2.5 million. So let's call it 3% of my load. 3% of what I spend is at risk. Of that, two-thirds of that, or excuse me, about 20 or about 75% of that, I'm overpaying. And specifically, I'm overpaying, not just paying more than the market, but I'm overpaying where market conditions are in my favor. So that's the low-hanging fruit. So mm-hmm. I should be able to get my cost down without kind of shooting myself in the foot. And then I have my yeah. underpaying group here, which tells me, hey, those are the areas where market conditions are not in my favor and I'm paying below market. So that could potentially cause a lot of issues or service level failures if the market kind of you know, gets all, all iffy. Am I thinking about that correctly? Yeah, and I think to give people a little bit more of a deeper dive, you know, go ahead and click on that View 16 Opportunities. All right. And it's going to it's gonna break down all those lanes for you. Oh, that's cool. And this is where that lane score comes into effect. So the so lane score is you've got my rate the, at 324. So whoever this is, let's call yep. this, you know, Shipper A, they're paying 324 a mile. Their peers over here on the right are paying 286. So there's there's opportunity. So they're basically overpaying based on their volume by fifteen thousand dollars. Is that right? That's right. And you said something about lane score. What's that? Yeah. So so lane score. You know, for those of us who are familiar with Sonar, familiar with tender, uh, the tendering uh, process that we follow, that the lane score is a depiction of how you know much negotiation leverage a shipper has. So on a scale of one to a hundred, one being really no leverage for the shipper, um, a lot of leverage to the carrier to 100 being extremely leveraged for that shipper, we were able to create kind of a, a quadrant to produce here's when you are over, not just overpaying, but overpaying significantly greater than 10% of the market. Okay, You can see that on the, on the, uh, on the Y axis or on the X axis. And then on the Y axis is that lane score. So now we're seeing you're overpaying by greater than 10%. And these are all lanes that are above a, a 60 on that lane score. So really a sweet spot for you to be able to make a big impact there. Got it. So just to, just to summarize here, it tells me, it doesn't just benchmark my whole network. It identifies those specific areas where I, I am paying more than my peers, but market mm-hmm. conditions are in my favor and I won't lose service level if I lower my price, as well as those areas that will, that will have the opposite effect. So. Um, great stuff there, Kyle. Love that. Uh, if you want to learn more about that, reach out to Kyle or myself. We can break it down for you even further. There's an application of this for carriers and brokers as well. Um, but these these are actual paid uh, contract rates uh, from shippers here. Um, I think it's I think it's time. I think we got a little Olympics highlights here. Maybe before we get to the TikTok stuff. So let's uh, let's take oh, a look. No, I hope this. they aren't. Oh, oh, there look he at is. this. That's my guy. That's the yes. I remember wait this. Wait for it. Wait for it. Here it is. Here, here it is. is. Come on. Yes. There it is. (laughs) Look at that little Japanese lady next to him. She doesn't know what to say. She's like, sir, you have to go back on the other side of the fence. Uh, Right. That's one of my favorite Olympic moments from this Olympics. It was like three or four days ago. For those that don't know, 
that is, that's one of the Aussie swim coaches, okay? So he coaches uh, Mariana Titmus, I believe is her name. Uh, she's won two gold medals at the Olympics, one in the 200 free as well as one in the 400 free. She, that was in her race in the 400 free where she upset Katie Ledecky, beat her, won the gold medal. It's her first Olympics, and her coach obviously was so ecstatic for her as she won, as you can tell. Uh, so that was amazing. I just, no, that's, I've watched that so yeah, many I mean, times. How can you not smile at that, especially for like a first gold medal and just to yeah. see your coach doing that? Now, I am always curious on like how the workers who are like the, the venue supporters, like if they do have to speak bilingual or if they are bilingual, if they're like what that barrier is, if it's just like hold the cattle in, you don't really know what to tell them. You, know, you can't control like that. That's... You just got to let that happen. You just yeah. got in just that situation. You just, like that that lady there, you could tell he went past the barrier. He wasn't supposed to. Ripped his mask off. Everything. Just I mean, he just his emotion was just overcome. I mean, that's part of a coach, though. You know, you spend all this time. These athletes have been through so much over the last five years. It's incredibly exciting. Um, so he, obviously, he had a lot of emotion and joy and everything. Kind of just he he let it out. Obviously. But it was funny watching it. That the Japanese worker there, she's trying to like scoot him over, but she's also kind of like, I don't want him to hit me, so I'm just gonna. I'm not getting paid enough to do this. (laughs) I'm not getting paid enough. Anyway, let's take a look at these TikToks here. See what we got going on. Oh, an egg. That dog has to be like 30 pounds. No, that's like a piece of ham. Oh, you can already see that is a sausage. Yeah, that is a dog. big old dog. <laughs> My dog, what's good with you? Hey, dab me up, dab me up. Yeah, oh, I'll see you around, boy. That was nice. How many takes do you think that took? Like, Dude, TikToks are like small movie productions now, man. Like, people probably like take hours to like edit this stuff and do all this. <laughs> oh jeez, yeah. we are having the best TikToks today. I yes. love this. That is so rude. I don't tolerate that. You know, nothing can break a bond between <laughs> a pet and the owner. I'd eat the cat for doing that. Those poor turtles. I feel that. I feel that with my dogs. I got a dog with white fur and it's brutal. I still don't have a pet because of this. Well, you got two kids, so it's probably enough. That's like the equivalent of like 500 pets. Oh, man. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Oh, that hurts. That is so painful. You literally felt that. You, you did, literally like, felt I just, that. I don't do well. I don't do well with animal hair. I'm, I'm honest. I have a, I wouldn't say a fear of uh, animal shedding all over me, but uh, it's, a, it's a concern. I feel that. No, it's I feel that. But uh, but awesome. Well, well, thank you, Luke, for for hosting this bad boy. What do we got next week? Hey, next week we'll be here. We're going to be discussing great things. Obviously, next week we're going to be diving into the Olympics further. You better be ready for that. I don't care if you don't like the Olympics. You're going to hear about it. But in the meantime, we will see you next week's live Wednesday at 4 p.m. Have a fantastic rest of your day.